The process of landing investment banking job offers can often feel like a black box, which leads to confusion and anxiety for most of the candidates going through it. Hey, my name is Sam Shaw, and I'm the founder of Wall Street Mastermind. I've personally coached numerous students on how to successfully break into top-tier investment banks, including Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, JP Morgan, Centerview, Evercore, and PJT Partners, just to name a few. On this podcast, I'm going to help you demystify the investment banking recruiting process by sharing what the clients of Wall Street Mastermind have done to get results like these. Enjoy this episode. Hey guys, if you like the content on this episode today, I want you to go and click the subscribe button to make sure that you get all of our future content that we've been putting out as well. We're doing this two to three times a week, every single week to help you with everything you need to get into the top investment banks in the world. All right. So I want you to just make sure that you don't miss out on any of that. Today, I want to talk about the four main mistakes that I see students make when it comes to uh, their investment banking behavioral interviews. Okay. Um, Behavioral interviews, in a way, are a lot trickier than technical interviews because a lot of times you come up with these answers that you want to use for your uh, for the behavioral questions, and you think they sound pretty good, but at the end of the day, you don't really know if your answer is what the banker actually wants to hear or not, right? And so a lot of times people actually struggle even more with the behavioral answers than they do with the technical answers. So let's talk about what are the four most common mistakes that we see all the time, okay? The first uh, is that a lot of times the students don't say enough in their answers, okay? Um, or they say too much, right? Whether you say too much or too little, either way, it's not a good thing um, because, you know, you want to make sure that, uh, you want to make sure that you give just the right amount of detail, right? Um, you want to, the, the way to really see if your answer is the right length is first of all, most of your answers should be one to two minutes um, tops. That's probably like a sweet spot. If it's um, a really, really good and really, really engaging answer, you might be able to go up to three minutes, but I probably would go no more than that. This is why, by the way, for a lot of the higher view interviews, the banks only give you about two minutes to answer the question, right? Because anything longer than that is too long, right? Um, how do you know if you're saying too much or too little though? The other thing that you could do is, when you read through your answers, ask yourself after every single sentence, what is the purpose of this sentence and why is it a part of my answer? What am I trying to accomplish by having this in the answer, right? And if you can't answer that, or if there's no purpose that is serving, then it probably doesn't really belong in your answer, okay? The second biggest mistake that we see is talking about things in the wrong order, right? So um, the easiest example to give for this is, you know, a lot of times, for example, uh, the banker will say, hey, tell me about yourself or walk me through your resume. And then people will kind of like jump around all over the place. Um, and there's no there's no logical flow to their answer, right? Like the easiest way to have flow in your answer is to um, keep things chronological, for example. But that's not the only example of this. The point is, when you're looking at your answer, there's probably usually at least two or three sections to most answers, right? Um, sometimes even four or five, depending on which question it is and what framework you're using to answer these questions. But you want to ask yourself like, hey, is the order that I have this answer in right now the optimal order? Or can I maybe shift some things around? Um, like if, if right now, if these are the three reasons I was like, okay, so why do you want to work for this bank? Right? And then you have three reasons that you listed out for why you like this bank. 
does it sound better in this order? Or what if I rearrange it um, and put this one first and this one last? Will that have a better effect? You got to try it out, right? Um, and, and so that's the second mistake that we see is having things in the wrong order so the answer doesn't flow well. Um, the third reason that we see is um, uh, is actually using the wrong example altogether, right? So you might have just the right amount of detail in your answer, but if you, and you might be saying everything in the right order, but if you're using a suboptimal example, then it's not going to matter, right? Like the best example of when we see this is, for example, they're asking you, you know, to pick one of your greatest weaknesses. Um, and, you know, one common thing that people will do is they will pick um, kind of a fake weakness, uh, like, oh, I'm such a perfectionist or, oh, I you know, pay too much attention to detail or, oh, I work too hard. Sometimes I take on too much work. Like those are horrible examples, right? Um, another example, because the, by the way, they're horrible examples because the bankers know that you're just giving them a fake example. It's like it's super obvious, right? You're trying to spin a strength as a weakness when it's not a real weakness. Everybody has weaknesses, right? So just own up to the fact that you have a weakness uh, and be honest about it. But more importantly, like what did you do to overcome that weakness? That's what they're really caring about. Right. Um, and then the other the other example of like giving a bad example is uh, if you give like a totally detrimental example to, you know, again, like tell me about your greatest weakness. Oh, I'm really bad with numbers or oh, like uh, I get kind of lazy sometimes. I mean, these are extreme. Like people will probably never say that or, oh, you know, I, um, you know, I really like working by myself more than I like working in teams. You know, stuff like that is like, OK, well, <laughs> clearly that is a big part of the job description. So if you don't enjoy doing that, you're probably not going to be a good fit. So just, you know, don't shoot yourself in the foot by giving the wrong example, right? And again, the weakness question is the most obvious one, but this applies to all the different behavioral questions. Like any question where they say, tell me about a time when you did X, Y, Z, or, you know, what's your greatest strengths? What's your greatest, uh, greatest weakness? Or any of those types of questions, you got to make sure you're picking the best example out of everything you've done in the past, okay? The last, the fourth and final Mistake that we see a lot, and this one, this one might be the the biggest mistake of them all, uh, but we see this all the time, is that people try to memorize their answers word for word, okay? Like they have um, these answers written out for their behavioral answers, and then they just try to like literally memorize. It's like they're, it's like they're an actor memorizing a script, right? The reason why you don't want to do this is because it's very, very hard to memorize every single answer you have word for word. And usually where this trips people up is, they get nervous during the interview because it's more of a high pressure um, environment. And then they're like, okay, uh, trying to, you know, say the lines that they memorize. One, it sounds robotic. It sounds rehearsed, right? But two, even if you don't sound rehearsed, a lot of times what happens is you get nervous and then suddenly you choke a little bit or you're like, oh, wait, what is the next thing that I'm trying to say? And because you can't remember now, you, you pause and you're like, you know, looking up, you're trying to remember it. And it's very obvious to the banker that you're trying to recite something that you memorize and it doesn't come across as conversational. It doesn't come across as natural, right? And so you don't want to get caught doing that. So what I would recommend instead is having outlines for each of your answers of what you want to say and then just memorizing the outlines, right? And if you can have an easier way to um, memorize the outline, even better. So for example, like, we're very big on using frameworks to answer these uh, behavioral questions because for most of these behavioral questions, we've seen hundreds of students try to answer them 
So we have a lot of data on what works and what doesn't work. And so what we took was we took all the most successful answers from all the most successful clients and we compared the answers side by side and we try to identify the commonalities. And then because success leaves clues, that that uh, that gave us you know uh, an insight into what the bankers actually want to hear with these answers. And we took those commonalities and we turned them into frameworks, right? So we like to name our frameworks into um, like using acronyms or using names that are easy to remember. So for example, one of our uh, frameworks is called the Spark Framework. And then so the way our clients are, you know, kind of uh, practicing their answers is instead of memorizing everything word for word, they can just remember the five parts of the answers, like, you know, situation, problem, action, results, key takeaways, right? So um, that's just an example, but you can do it however you want, but have frameworks, just remember the framework or the outline of your answers as opposed to doing everything word for word. And then the other way to like really um, just become a well-oiled machine in terms of like delivering these answers is to do a lot of networking calls. Like if you do a lot of networking calls, that's like a lower stake uh, interview practice right there because a lot of times you're still going to get asked some of these questions that you would get asked in an interview, but you're able to deliver those answers in a lower pressure environment. And then once you've done that, dozens of times or sometimes even hundreds of times, it just becomes second nature and it's going to come out naturally, right? So anyway, those are the four most common mistakes that we see. Hopefully you found this to be helpful and uh, that'll be it for today, all right? Thanks for listening to this episode. Interested in discovering how you can get personalized one-on-one coaching from Wall Street Mastermind to help you beat out the massive amount of competition out there? Head on over to www.wallstreetmastermind.com slash apply. And the street is abbreviated to ST, so it's really wall, stmastermind.com slash apply. And our team looks forward to speaking with you.